All right, welcome to another episode of the Tiger Matter Report here at TigersMLReport.com. I am Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown, and you can find us on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to. Now we're part of the Believe Network, which is a podcast network over 500 podcasts, ranging from pop culture to Solomon Wilcox, former receiver. They I mean they just they go everywhere. So our guest today is Jason Beck of MLB.com, and I spent a lot of time working with Jason this year. As uh, we both Jason and I had the dual screen thing going on in the press box where we were watching the minor leagues. And so we wanted to get Jason's take on the season, some of the hitters in the system. And then we get some we did get some questions from the audience, too, in regards to some of the prospect development. And first and foremost, Jason, how you doing? Good. Uh, it's, you know, while some people called it an iPad that I had in the press box, it was more a second screen for me to watch the uh, minor league games while the. All the season was going on, so it uh, it, it definitely uh, it, it kept my attention for a while, for a good while, or a good portion of the summer. Yeah, and Jason, I, we we appreciate you joining us on on a kind of unexpectedly eventful or eventful <laughs> day here in Tigers Land with the Tigers just just uh, you know signing up a new uh, TV announcer. Um, <laughs> I will. I, I don't know if you guys want to discuss the Benetti yeah, thing at yeah. all, or if we want to stick with the minor yeah, leagues, sure. but. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, you know, when they first announced that that Matt Shepard was was not going to be coming back, I, I was uh, I was hopeful that uh, our, our mutual friend Greg Gagne would would get a, a shot, or, or or Dan Hasty too. You know, the the Tigers it would be cool to give these guys uh, you know a shot, and and hopefully they got some consideration. But uh, it's it's hard to complain about getting Jason Benetti, uh, who was you know arguably one of the top three announcers in all of baseball. So, and you guys just had. Uh, got a chance to listen to him. So I was wondering what your thoughts were. And you know what? He is as well-spoken on Zoom calls as he is on broadcasts. Very thoughtful. Um, you, you could tell that he really wanted to, you know, not just give good quotes, but give good insights to try to explain why he made this jump and leaving his hometown team and, and coming to Detroit. And, you know, there was, I mean, there was buzz after – this season that the Tigers were trying to swing for the fences with the hire. And then that's not all that unusual. I think a lot of teams will, will you know, would like to try to, to get big names. Um, but they were serious about it and they kept it up. And, you know, to get Jason Benetti to, from within the division, I, I think it's, you know, that's a huge move. And I think, you know, they, you know, they, they, even Jason talked about it, you know, they want to put on a good broadcast and they want to, you know, really kind of showcase not just this team, but, you know, the ballpark and the city and everything. And, um, you know, it, it seemed like their plans for the telecast resonated with it. And I think what struck me was that a lot of this was coming from the Tigers. You know, this was very much a Tigers operation to – bring in a guy like Jason Benetti. And, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. They took such a vested interest in the broadcast. And I, you wonder if it's going to be an increasing trend. And I know, like, you know, there were, there's a fair number of broadcasters around the league who are hired by the team. But you wonder if it's going to be an even more increasing trend as, you know, we wait for the situation with the RSNs to – shake out and you know we, we've seen some teams that have gone internally or gone through mlb with their broadcasts in midseason this past season 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the way that the biggest takeaway I took from Jason too was the fact that a lot of fans are going to be able to relate to him because I mean, he was talking about White Sox Twitter being a thing and Tigers Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, is a thing, and and have saying he has friends that are forever a lifetime, and some of it was really sincere. Or I'll be assuming all of it was sincere. Don't get me wrong. What I was just saying is, it's refreshing to hear something like that because for people who are who watch the game differently now, where you're watching the game with social media in the background, I mean, we all do it, you know, either for our job or just part of what we do now. The fact that he embraces that newer technology, I think, also says something about the Tigers being more aware of the ever-changing landscape of how we consume media. So I think that's a that was a big takeaway I took from that, that I think that he is going to be relatively adaptable to anything that happens, especially because when you hear him on with Steve Stone, the way he plays off with Steve Stone, it was honestly, it was night and day compared to the Hawk. I mean, uh, no offense to the Hawk or anything, but uh, I, I definitely think that this is a, one of the, you have now him and Dan Dickerson and probably one of the best one, two combos in all of baseball, maybe even all the professional sports. I mean, that's a combo. That's depth. I mean, that's like just beyond like, wow, you got Dicker and you got Dickerson doing TV team now too. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. And like, you know, it's a big deal when Dan does TV because he's been known. He is very much a radio guy. He loves that medium. He loves the way you describe, you know, you paint the picture on a radio broadcast for, so for him to be willing to do this. And I know he did the, you know, he, he did a few games, um, you know, a few years ago, but for him to be willing to do this says a lot about what he thinks of Jason. And I think a lot about what he thinks about what the Tigers are trying to do. Yeah. And it's just going to, and it continues to add depth and hopefully maybe Greg Engie will get some time in the radio yeah, side of things. Yeah, if there's going to be 30 games of Dickerson on TV, then there's there's room for our, our minor league friends to come yeah. up and, and work some more magic there at the uh, the radio press box. And, yeah, same for Hastings. Yeah, and then that's and that's one of the strengths of, of this organization is that you know there's really good broadcasters in the system, and I think Greg's Greg's right there, and I think Greg's been ready for his opportunity for a while, and hopefully he gets he gets that shot to you know do some of the radio games when Dan hops over the TV. Well, yeah, and so I, I, you know, I immediately veered us off course here, but I'll see if I can steer us back <laughs> back on because one of the things Benetti I, I, I saw from the the you know his comments was he talked a lot about the future, where he sees this organization going, and a lot of that has to do with what's been happening in the minors the last couple of years. And, and we talked just before this that the last three years in the Tigers minor league system has produced an, an awful lot of more power, at least, in, in, in better hitters than about the you know the decade before combined. So. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we can get back into the minors now. I don't know what what we were going to discuss immediately with with that, but uh, what was your your first question going to be? Oh, my first question was is really the your overview of how the season played out. For I, I think fans were wondering about guys like Cole Keefe or Justin Murray really not getting the call up, and I think the Tigers handled it fine because I think they were evaluating what they have right now. But overall, Jason. The way the season ended for Erie, obviously winning the championship was huge. But Lakeland also showed some signs like they made the playoffs. I think that's not talked about often enough. And even to a certain extent, I mean, West Michigan was in there to the last minute till they get a postseason berth. So that, to me, spoke volumes of development. But what are your thoughts overall? 
I think team-wise, this was the deepest this organization has been in terms of team success since I started here in, in O2. So, and that, that says a lot. Um, you know, you saw, you know, not just Erie winning the title, but like you said, these other affiliates, Toledo was playing much better ball over the second half of the season. You know, it, it didn't hurt, obviously, that Colt Keith and Justice Big B got, got promoted. Um, you know, Lakeland was terrible for most of the first half and then really turned it around, uh, you know, with no small help from some of the draft picks from this summer. Um, and West Michigan really looked like a much improved team from the start of the season to the end. And I think that's a tribute to, you know, the players that, you know, putting in the work, but also the staff that the Tigers have assembled at these stops who are working with these guys and not giving up on guys for slow starts or, you know, for glaring holes and, you know, just being putting in the work to make these guys better. And what we, what we see, I think is, you know, this is a deep organization. I, I think overall, but usually when we talk about the depth in this system, it, it's, it's talked about in terms of pitchers, but I think hitting wise, you're starting to see that starting to track now as well to where, yeah, Keith and, and Malloy get the headlines, but, to repeat, you know, to basically repeat the success you had with the 19th round pick in Terry Carpenter and then have another 19th round pick emerge in Justice Bigby, you know, that just doesn't happen in a lot of places. You know, and, and certainly in this system, you, 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 you rarely had third-day picks emerge. And here he was, you know, you know Justice Bigby, putting, you know, not just putting on a show, but looking like a really – bona fide future major major league hitter. And we saw, you know, you mentioned the hitters for sure, but there there was continued development with the pitchers. We've talked a lot about about the, the strides that Sawyer Gibson Long made over the course of the season. Uh, and you see Reese Olson developing at the big league level, but even somebody like Blake Holub, who was was a 14th, 13th round pick, two-way 15th even, I, I don't remember exactly, but two-way player didn't do a whole lot in his, his debut full season last year he looked impressive but i should say two seasons ago i suppose uh, but they turn him into a viable leading reliever and they go out and they, they land a, a big league outfielder who's got a uh, 125 wrc plus since 2019 so 25 percent better than average i mean certainly there's some money and age things in there but they turn this 15th round pick into a legit big leaguer and and so i think that's just another of, of the signs that we've seen of the improved development in the organization. And one of the reasons I think you can be optimistic about the future. Yeah. I, I mean, for years, this was an organization to where like, if they wanted to get trade for players of value to trade prospects for players of value, it almost always involved trading, you know, higher ranked prospects and to get the production out of a guy like Holub to catch the, the brewer's eye says a lot. And I think there's more guys where, where he came from. And that, that's, that is going to be one of the more interesting things for me to follow this offseason, you know, especially since, you know, it's not a great free agent market, especially for the, the areas the Tigers are trying to address. But there are opportunities on trades. And, you know, 
can, can they leverage what they've done, notably on the pitching side, in being able in throwing a lot of money and resources into the pitching development to turn good reliever, you know, good pitching prospects into really good pitching prospects. You know, will that translate into more buzz on the trade front? And is that going to be a way that the Tigers address some of the holes, um, you know, at, at the major league level? I, I'm going to be fascinated to see this because I do think, you know, talking to Scott's from other organizations that, you know, there's a higher regard for the depth in this organization than, than there's been in, you know, the past several years. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, you look at some of the Rule 5 decisions they have to make. Uh, really, I mean, you talk about Dylan Dingler, Eliza Rafonso, and you saw the three different, you saw that uh, Rodriguez, uh, Perpersky, and I'm trying to blank on the other catcher that were all going to be minor league free agents. They have some tough decisions to make with that. And obviously Montero was on the list, but he got added the 40 man. And that's another pitcher too, who took to development, oh. who went climbed three levels, led the minor leagues and strikeouts. And I don't think he's to me, at least he's not talked about often enough because the fact that he went to from West Michigan, it was kind of a question mark. I mean, he, towards the last part of the season last year, he had a really good, strong finish, but then they come in. And then he, when I talked to him about him changing his grip, Again, taking the instruction from the Tigers, and this was even the case with guys like in in the ability for the Tigers to see somebody what they saw in Lyle Lockhart, for example. The fact that they saw something, they looked they looked beyond his numbers because his numbers at Double A with the Dodgers were not good. But hey, they're like, here, I want you to start throwing a splitter, and he became a very he was a big. I think the the pickup the evaluation of looking at talent like that also Eddie's Leonard also comes to mind too. That is a big, big improvement where you're picking up guys from the scrap pile, for lack of a better word, that may not look good statistically, but they're able to take something out of them. Yeah, you know, we talked about this with Reese Olsen earlier. You know, like he was basically not a throwaway prospect, but he was not a highly ranked prospect when the Tigers got him for Daniel Norris. And then he comes into the system and shows some signs and then you see him kind of struggle, um, you know, for a stretch there in 2022 in Erie. You know, uh, battles some issues in spring training, starts here at Toledo, has some real struggles, and then things click for him. And I, I think what he's been able to do in terms of the slider and the, and, and the, the curveball is just – it's. It's amazing to watch him put those to work when they weren't nearly as big of pitches for him when he came into the organization. And I think that speaks a lot about what, you know, the work that he put in, but also the work that the Tigers personnel and their, their pitching people put in to make him better. And, and there's examples up and down the organization. You know, Jackson Job looked like a different pitcher when he came back from the back injury at a time where we wondered, you know, is he going to be healthy enough to, to be an impact prospect? We, we didn't know. And he not only comes back healthy, but he comes back looking like a different guy because he spent that time down in Lakeland working on pitch design. Um, you know, Montero with the wipeout breaking ball says, you know, he was barely on the radar 
you know, going into the year. And now he's somebody where you talk about him. It's when he gets to the big leagues, not if. Uh, Sawyer Gibson Long with the cutter and the change. You know, just, you know, there's, there's so many guys who've come through here who have, you know, taken advantage of opportunities and guys who, you know, weren't necessarily looked at as, as big-time prospects. And then just one little change here and there, one old design on the pitch, and all of a sudden you've got a, a major league caliber pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I it's the the Tigers. They're they're not quite the, the Tampa Bay Rays yet, but it's it's nice to see that that they can go and get guys from other organizations and maximize them. You guys, you mentioned you know the four big ones uh, from the last year or two, and Olson, Gibson, Long, and and um, Eddie's Leonard, who probably doesn't get talked about enough either, uh, and and Lyle Lockhart. And so it's yeah, it's it's fascinating to see who might they, you know, Justin Herman Malloy, even you could say was maximized to to a certain extent. Um, so who who might they go get this year, or or is Brady Allen take a big step next year? I know that that Scott Harris seems to like him. So yeah, it's 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 a fun time to be following this sort of stuff. And uh, meanwhile, things are getting fun at the big league level too. So it's it's a good time to be a Tigers fan in general. I think. Yeah, it's it's a good time. It's it's been a really good year to show how you know, the the minor leagues and the major leagues go hand in hand in terms of like especially these days and given what the Tigers are trying to do, it's, you know, it's a partnership. Um, and we've seen some synergy there that I think wasn't there during some stretches, you know, notably, you know, especially during like the latter days of, of the Dave Dombrowski era, where a lot of times you would see prospects coming in and they were basically, you know, trade pieces, you know, Jonathan Crawford and, you know, mm. Really, Adamas, guys like that. And then, you know, now we're, you know, these guys have a future in Detroit now. Um, you know, the, the guys that they draft, even in the, you know, second and third days, you know, you see a pathway to where, like, if you make changes, you know, your opportunity is here. You don't have to get traded somewhere else to, you know, to, to find opportunity uh, because the Tigers feel like that they can do stuff to not only, you know, to not only help you in the minor leagues, but to affect your major league future. And the biggest thing too, Jason, that I know it sounds like a small thing. And I think we were, we talked about this during the season was changing the, not the, the mental aspect, but nutrition. I mean, the press conference that we went to for West Michigan and for them, for Isaac Pacheco and Jace Young to go on, on about the nutrition Sounds doesn't sound like a lot, but then you hear that now they're breaking ground on a new center of the Dominican Republic and they're adding on the Lakeland. How important I, I, to us, I know how important it is, but those things go a long way, especially if you're trying to set a tone for future, for future prospects to come here. I think it goes, a, I think it's huge for, for the, you know, and in some areas they're, they're playing catch up with other organizations, to be honest, you know, that the, there were some areas where I, I think that they, that got overlooked, um, that there was a very traditional way of doing things. And it's not the Tigers' fault. It's, it's something that all organizations did for years. And it was just, you know, when were the Tigers going to, you know, start to, to make that transition themselves? And they've made it quickly now to where it's like they've gone from playing catch-up to, you know, really kind of setting their own path now to where it's like, okay – this isn't just what worked for other organizations. 
here's what we can take out of that and make this, this, and this work for us. And I'll be fascinated to see how that translates going forward. You know, we, we've talked, you know, there's been talk about Dominican Academy for years and is, it kind of hasn't gone far. And now to hear the Tigers talking about it, it's like a concrete thing is huge. Um, to take the beautiful campus in Lakeland and get more out of it, I think is vital because it's a huge strength what the Tigers have there. In some ways it was, it was kind of a, you know, it, it was a diamond in the rough because so many organizations, you know, for their facilities in Florida or Arizona, they're sharing it with somebody else. The Tigers have this all to themselves and they can do what they want. And they have a city that's willing to work with them and bend over backwards to accommodate their vision for, for the complex. And it, it's a great opportunity to build something that, you know, that, you can put right up there with, you know, any other organization in the majors, hopefully by the time it's all done. Uh, no, Chris, I'm sorry. I yeah, didn't say something. My bad. Yep. Oh, okay. No, I thought you were going to say something. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. Um, so we did get some questions from people on Twitter. And one, the first question comes from Nick Spillane. And he says, if the Tigers were to use either of these players in a potential trade this offseason, who would you rather go with, or rather go, Justin Herman Malloy or Justice Bigby? In terms of who would who would you rather trade or who yeah. would you rather keep? I think, yeah, who would I rather trade? Okay. Uh, well, I, Malloy has a built-in advantage of being able to play infield and outfield. I, I think that's huge on his part, although it sounds like the Tigers – are steering him more towards playing outfield more than, than third base now. Um, you know, and, and obviously Malloy's eye is, you know, eye to plate and, and knowledge of the strike zone is, is really good. Um, I'm curious how, you know, what we'll see in terms of, of Big B, because he's opened some eyes in the Arizona Fall League. And I think we've seen him, you know, show power, show power in hitting and do more than just go to the opposite field, which was, you know, kind of made some waves early in the year as he was rising from West Michigan to Erie to Toledo. You know, he's, he's put on a good show in Arizona, and I don't think that gets overlooked. Um, but he can also, you know, play pretty good defense in the corners there. And I, I think he's, you know, he's got that work ethic to where he tracks – you know, he, he's on that Carpenter-type track in terms of wanting to, you know, not resting on laurels and wanting to improve and wanting to get everything out of his game. So I there's a curiosity in me to see where that goes from here and what we see out of Bigby when we show up in Lakeland next spring. Yeah, I'm, I think the, the biggest thing that I saw, especially in Erie, is that he would have – six or seven games where he hit constantly. And then you have a game off or two where he went 0 for 4, 0 for 5, and then he just came right back. And it was consistent throughout the season. And you could tell Erie's offense struggled a little bit when he got to win Toledo. And so they were focused more on using their defense. And, and Alvarez had to change his adjust his strategy on the fly for that. But overall, it worked out for Erie. But still, yeah, that was he was really the – I hate to say this term, but the straw that stirred the drink for Erie in the second half of the season after Colt Keith left. 
And Toledo got better after he arrived. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. You know, it, it's not just Colt and, and Malloy. Like, Big B meant, meant a lot up there. So, and it's, you know, we'll see what he looks like the experience. But, you know, I got to think that, you know, assuming he's not traded, that we're talking about him in, in as a piece in Detroit somewhere along the lines, especially given, you know, they usually have – Injuries in their outfield, but but even aside from that, I think they're, you know, AJ and Scott are going to want to see what they have in this guy and want to see what he can do in a ballpark like Comerica. You know, we we've seen a lot of good hitters slash that gap, right-handed hitters especially slash that gap in right center and be able to do a lot of damage there. And I think Big Big B's got that opportunity. Definitely. So Steve Orton wants to know. Who is one realistic free agent you want to see or, or you want or see the Tigers signing? Uh, well, I mean, we got news the other, you know, I guess yesterday from, you know, Scott Harris at the GM meetings. That, you know, they're primarily focused on pitching right now. So, you know, and especially after, you know, it looks like Eduardo Rodriguez is, is probably not coming back. Uh, we'll see. Things can change. But right now, you at least have to plan for the idea that you're going to have to fill the, a hole in that rotation. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see, like, Scott's track record is, and, and we've talked about this, that, you know, he he doesn't tend to go after the big name free agents on the pitching side so much as he looks for undervalued guys and rebound candidates and brings them in with a chance to, you know, kind of regain their value for the open market. And I think when you look at the free agent market pitching wise, there are guys who have the chance to fall through the cracks and, you know, be potential, you know, buy low opportunities on pillow contracts you know, maybe it's Jack Flaherty who didn't have the impact in Baltimore that I think anybody figured down the stretch. Maybe it's a Lucas Giolito who, while he looked good a couple times down the stretch, was otherwise like utterly hittable and almost unrecognizable. Um, you know, maybe it's a Seth Lugo who has kind of always been underrated um, but has that opportunity to take the next step in his career, albeit at, at, at a later stage. So, you know, those it's going to be that type of signing that I'm going to be looking for because I think given the depth of pitching on the markets, I think there's an opportunity to find a guy or two there who, you know, for lack of a better term, fall through the cracks and are going to be looking for – an opportunity to recoup their value. And do those guys look at what the Tigers have done in terms of pitching instruction and see a chance to make themselves better, you know, kind of along the lines of what Michael Lorenzen did. A guy who I think that would fit that mold is the gentleman who led the KBO in wins and I believe also strikeouts in, in Eric Fiddle or Fettle. Is it Eric Fettle? Oh, er, uh, Fetty, I think, right? Fetty, Eric Fetty. Yeah. yeah. Eric Fetty is a prime example of that because a lot of the big names are going to probably go off the market. And I, I think he, he coming being 30 years old. I really think he would fit with the Tigers pretty well as a, a guy that, that he fits that what you're talking about with Scott Harris undervalued. He might, I mean, again, some teams might be interested in him, and I do like the prop 
Rodriguez, the Cuban who was part of the World Baseball Classic. That's another guy I really like a lot, but I think his he might be the Pirates have heard or been rumored to as well. But those kind of guys that are getting attention elsewhere, and I know that the Tiger fans want to hear the big Japanese pitchers like Yamamoto, but I, I just don't see that happening. Right. And it's, you know, to be able to talk about the Tigers with international free agents, you know, just by itself is a big step. This is something that it's kind of been an untapped commodity for the Tigers here for years. Um, Eric Fetty, I, I think it's a very interesting name. Um, you know, Scott Boris, I believe, brought it up at the GM meetings and said they've gotten calls from just about every club on guys like that because it's just, you know, it's like you said, it, he's kind of one of those guys who has a chance to go undervalued and isn't a big name, but did things that, you know, overseas that were interesting. And I think in this day and age with, you know, with StatCast and, and with the advanced metrics, it's so much easier to measure a guy like that than it was when, say, Miles Michaelis came over, you know, a, a few years ago. Um, so, you know, more teams can, can kind of take a serious look at that. And, you know, I know the Cardinals have been opportunistic on that front between Michaelis and, and Drew Verhagen uh, a couple years ago. But, you know, they, there's I, – I think it, it'll be – I'll be interested to see how a guy like that potentially fits in. Because, yeah, I think that, that would be a fascinating way for the Tigers to fill a hole on the pitching side. Chris, what about you? I mean, uh, well, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've played out like I've already started playing out their their lineup in my head for 2024, and and the, like the big holes that you see there are probably second base or third base, and it'd, it'd be awesome if you could fill in Paul Keith and Justin Henry Malloy there. That'd be great. And, and honestly, I don't know if like, the two big options on the free agent market are Matt Chapman and Jamer Candelario at third base, uh, and Chapman would be you know a, a great defensive upgrade, but I don't know if either of those guys actually you know, really move the needle as much as like a fully weaponized Keith or Malloy would if, if, you know, if things work out there. So I tend to to look at the pitching as well. And I've sort of been just focusing on the bullpen, um, which the Tigers, you know, was a great bullpen last year, but uh, you, you know, you go where the talent is, I suppose. And I do wonder if they want to add another lefty reliever. If it's just Tyler Holton now, they, you know, they DFA'd uh, Tyler Alexander and, and uh, Vasquez, right? Yeah, um, yeah, both guys lopped off the roster. I wouldn't hate it if they went out and signed Jordan Hicks. You know, like he might be the top reliever, a top right-handed reliever on the market. I don't think they're going to go after Hader or Chapman, but but Hicks, that's a guy I think who has more upside. He's still just twenty-seven; doesn't turn twenty-eight until September, uh, and I don't think he's going to cost a ton because he he's not like a proven lights-out lockdown closer. But boy, I'd I'd love to see a guy who sits at hundred work with Chris Fetter and Juan Nieves and, and Robin Lund and see what they can do to maximize in there. And, and, you know, if things don't work out with the Tigers as a team, you know, teams at the trade deadline are always looking for hard throwing relievers. So like, I mean, I think he's a guy who could make your team better and, and could also, you know, as a solid backup, like a fallback option, if you have to trade him at some point. Uh, so I'd like to see them go sign him, but I, I do imagine that there'll be a fair amount of suitors there. Yeah, there, you know what? The interesting thing to me is if they decide how they decide also back for backup shortstop purposes, because they, the Tigers, if there's one thing that seems to be screaming out to me at least, is if you're going to make Ryan Kreider 
great, but Ryan Kreidler has been shown that he's got an injury history. They don't have really a lot of depth at short right now, and Leonard has been playing the outfield more or less, and so I think they were gearing him towards that. So that's another thing that I'm I'm interested to see where they will get some value out of. And with Baez, again, you're hoping he can bounce back, but they really don't have an option right now long-term. Well, short-term, but that speaks to the next question, which is, do you uh, – this comes from Deadly Ninja Bees. Do you feel – how do we feel about Max Clark and Kevin McGonigal's future prospects after the first minor league season? I mean, it seems pretty good to me. Um, you know, they, they certainly held their – you know, more than held their own in the uh, in the complex league. I almost called it the Gulf Coast League there for a second. I had to catch myself. Um, and, and then, you know, they, they – and then went up to to Lakeland, you know, for full season ball, to, you know, kind of surprisingly, and you know, did did okay down the stretch. You know, they weren't necessarily as overwhelmed as you might expect teenagers to be, especially in their draft year. So, um, you know, I'm curious about you know how that goes from here. Um, could they move quickly? Um, do you want to stick with? a deliberate path and timetable for these guys, or could we see, you know, could we see a Max Clark in McGonagall in West Michigan at some point, at some point next summer? Um, you know, could we see them up North? And, you know, if you do like what type of hitters do they look like when they get to these, to these uh, bigger ballparks? Um, yeah. It, it, the, the situation with Corbin Carroll kind of, you know, watching him, in this postseason kind of reminded me of, you know, it, it, it struck me as what the Tigers would love to be able to do with a guy like Max Clark. You know, I, I don't know. And I, I'd kind of be surprised if he got here, got there quite as quickly as, as Corbin Carroll did in Arizona. But, you know, in terms of talent, you can kind of see where similar style of players, you know, he could have that type of impact if, if, the, if, things go well and the Tigers hit on this. You know, it's always tough to tell when you've got a couple of high schoolers coming into pro ball for the first time at the end of the summer and, and the sample sizes aren't huge, but, but as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, you know, you hold steady with, with uh, Max Clark, like, you know, this is a kid who was considered a top five talent in the draft for a reason. And I still think he is uh, his debut was, you know, he was great in the, in the complex league. He struggled a little bit in, in the small sample in, in the Florida State League, but he was still walking a ton. I think he's he's just got to refine his approach a, a little bit. Um, and I think that the, the arrow's up a little bit on Kevin McGonigal. The, again, it's it's a small sample. You don't want to make too big of a deal of it, but uh, the book on him was that he hits, and he came into Pro Bowl, and he hit. He hit 315. He had 18 walks to 10 strikeouts, I think. He's he's. He has the look of a guy who's who's going to be an absolute nightmare for pitchers. Just just a huge pain. He's uh, going to walk and he's going to hit. And um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. I, I do think that uh, just based on the last couple of years, we we probably will see those guys in West Michigan by the end of the year uh, if they produce the sort of way that that they're capable of. Yeah, especially McGonagall. I mean, some of the talent he was taking on in Clearwater was against major league pitchers. We're doing rehab starts. Let's not forget that during the playoffs. I mean, Clearwater had an advantage there. They had two, I, th- I think it was one starter or reliever that was on rehab. And so that that definitely helped Clearwater. And the fact that Kevin did a pretty good job of handling it, that's a good thing, sign of things to come. And the last question, speaking of Lakeland, comes 
from that guy or yeah, that, that's me on Twitter. That guy. Uh, do you think Jose Brasenio has a chance to stay behind the plate long term, or are we looking at a future first baseman? I honestly have not seen nearly enough of him to be able to make adjustment on that. I know the Tigers think highly of him, and you know I think they want to give him every opportunity to try to make it work behind the plates. Um, I, you know, I, he's somebody I suspect we'll see on the on the MLB pipeline prospect rankings for the Tiger system uh, when they get updated over the winter, um, but. Yeah, it's 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 a hard one for me to answer in specifics because I, I just have not seen enough of them. You know, I know that Baseball America just recently talked about his what was it, Christie's? Uh, he had a really good hard hit contact rate, right? Something to that effect. Yeah, it was it was they were doing a combination of uh, you know aid and hard hit rate and swing and miss rate and all the stuff, all the indicators that you like from a hitter, like everything that shows that. You know, there's a promising bat there. We did talk to Jeff Ponce from Baseball America, and he got he got down there to see him and talk to some scouts. And he wasn't overly impressed with him. Uh, just, I, I think it's kind of an odd setup at the plate, and he's a big hulking guy, and it looks more like power over over you know that speed. But all the underlying indicators are there. But he was also uh, definitely not very impressed with with Brissetio as a catcher. Uh, I, I think, generally speaking, if you're 18, 19 years old, and you're already six four and like 225 pounds. <laughs> The, the odds of you staying behind the plate are, are slim. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to completely rule it out, but I do think that that he's probably a first baseman, a DH type down the road, just because of, you know, we've seen, we've got decades of watching kids grow from the age of 18 to 24 or 25. And, and a lot of guys don't get smaller. I'll say that. I know that Garko was like, oh, he's, he's going to be a catcher. Well, I mean, Garko was pretty up, upbeat about him staying a catcher, but yeah. I I, what's up? I wouldn't put it past them to continue yeah. developing him like that. I, I just, I'm a little bit skeptical it'll work. Yeah. As a receiver, I think he's more, he has an arm, but I think as a receiver, that's where he struggles a little bit. And from what little I saw of it, but overall it's, there is some signs that, that he could be useful. And, and that that's something where for, again, on the international side of things to, to really wrap it up. The biggest takeaway that I got this season is Montero has a chance to be the first big league starter the Tigers have developed internationally since since Felipe Lira Jason does that sound G- right Jurgens Jur- well Jurgens Jur- yeah yeah technically tech well I meant like from from the Latin American side of things oh okay um yeah I did yeah, man it can't be lyric I guess it, it, it could be Lira I mean, because you could talk about you could talk about Fernando Rodney. There's the relievers are there. Soto, a, yeah, yeah, Soto, yeah, was a mine too. Uh, but I can't think of a starter in the last decade or even longer than that that I'm trying to think of. I yeah. just couldn't. His name was drawing a blank there. But that to me, the international side is where I think I, that was something I'm looking forward to. The 2024 is there progress with those international prospects? Can Campos go and? hit for power. We know he can hit it for average a little bit, but now can he hit for power? I am fascinated to see what Campos does. You know, now that he has a, a year at West Michigan under, under his belt. Um, people, you know, we people forget we've been talking about him forever, but he's still young. He's still awfully young for a prospect and he has time to develop and 
you know, still figure some things out. And he just, he, he strikes me as a guy who could make that leap. And then when it comes, it could come somewhat quickly. Yeah. I mean, there, there are not many people in the system who hit the ball harder than Campos does. And, and we talked about it before is, is you can't get a fastball. I mean, you can't get a fastball by him, but he's, he can hit any type of fastball. He, he, uh, so Jacob Mizorowski or Mizorowski, uh, the kind of the star of the futures game this year for the Brewers. Uh, he was no hitting West Michigan in a game, and then Campos took one of his 100 mile an hour fastballs and just lined it right over the third baseman. It's it's he's got a lot of talent with the bat. It's it's more about uh, finding that approach to to lay off pitches that he can't hit as hard as, as he's capable of, and you know getting better and in, in the outfield and on the bases and all that stuff. But like you said, Jason, he's he's 20. Like yeah. this is uh, there's, there's plenty of time for him. Yeah, and his fielding has to improve too. There's got to be some improvement there. That's uh, yeah. So, uh, but Jason, thank you so much for joining us this, this afternoon. We really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find? Of course, people can find you on Twitter or ask at back Jason. But what else you got going on this offseason? season? You're gonna finally get some uh, downtime a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's been somewhat quiet. I, I did not go to the GM meetings. I am going to the winter meetings. Um, you know, I'll be following. I've been following the fall league, watching the uh, streaming webcasts on. You know, there, trying to follow. You know, young and you know, Big B and um, how you Lee. You know, guys like that. So uh, it's just kind of right now. The plan is more of that. So and I'm on Twitter, Beck Jason. Um, same handle on uh, Threads uh jason beck on blue sky so i just joined that a week or two ago i guess so branching out a little bit yeah especially because for all we know x or twitter whatever is gonna go away next week for seems like it's a constant state of chaos but (laughs) uh uh jason thanks again for your time really appreciate it and uh look forward to i'll be seeing you probably at spring training at some time soon awesome looking forward to it Awesome. Can feel that sunshine in Lakeland now. Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, <laughs> it's a nice. Uh, at least the sun's out here today in Michigan. Nice so. today, yeah. yeah, yeah. 